0: Hello and welcome to Downtown Dialogues, theatrical outfits brand new podcast uh, where we dig into the themes and questions behind our work. Um it's January 2021 and we're just about to kick off the third unexpected Play Festival, uh, which is a brand new festival where we introduce Atlanta audiences to great plays by Atlanta-based writers. And we do it in collaboration with working title playwrights. Um, here with me today are the four playwrights from, from this year's festival, who are Imani Von Jones um, with her play Well Intentioned White People, Paul Donnelly with his play Memorial Day, Erin uh, Considine with her play Raising the Dead, and Sanhara Eastman with her play Pearl. Um, welcome. hello.
1: Hi. Hello.
0: Hi, great to have you all here. And from working title playwrights we have the wonderful Amber Bradshaw. Amber. Hello, how are you doing? Hey, Amen um, before we dig into the individual plays, why don't you tell us a little bit about working playwrights and, and the uh, working title and the, the work that you do.
2: Sure, happy to. So, Working Title Playwrights is a new play incubator and a service organization. And our mission is to serve playwrights in the development of their work. Um, and so that comes in many different forms. Um, we do a lot of dramaturgy services hiring dramaturgs. And for those who don't know what a dramaturg is, a dramaturg is a, a person who essentially is a really strong supporter of the play as the playwright is writing through it. Um, They're often uh, a real a real comrade in the process. Um, they are not a direct collaborator. They have no ownership over the script, um, but they really are um, a voice for the playwright, um, a space for the playwright in the in the process, um, making sure that the playwright always has a cheerleader, somebody on their side that they can sort of bounce ideas off of. So that's kind of what a dramaturg does. And a lot of what Working Title does is based around that type of work where we're supporting playwrights. At every phase of the process, um, and we have workshops, we have master classes, lots of different types of programs. You can check us out at workingtitleplaywrights.com if you want to learn more about us. Um, and all four of these playwrights are members of Working Title, and um, it's always a joy to work with all of them. And I'm just I'm thrilled to have you all here and um, to have you be part of the festival. Does that Does that sound about right, Matt? Did I that miss
0: sound, No, that sounds that sounds great. You okay. know, um, and you know as uh, as a, as a new Artistic Director in town, it's, it's great to be working with your organization, who's connected to so many wonderful playwrights. Um, well, let's, let's uh, Imani, let's start with you. How, did okay. you. how did you become a playwright? What, what was the beginning of your journey?
3: Um, so I have been writing like my whole entire life, um, but playwriting specifically, yeah, that I'm came about, about um... so I originally went to school for acting Um, so I was in the Guthrie BFA actor training program and I absolutely loved it, but I also didn't know when I was 18 and like (laughs) when I was 18 and touring colleges, I didn't really know what classical training program meant. And um, after I got there, I realized that that meant old, white, and dead theater. That's what that meant. (laughs) And male as well. And so um, I found myself getting a training that I didn't feel like spoke to my life and my experience and the type of work that I wanted to be in. Um, And then I also felt like I wasn't reading the work that I wanted to be in or the work that I wanted to see. And so... um, that's kind of what really made me take the dive and be like, you know what, I'm not going to wait for somebody to finally write the plays that I want to act in. I'm just going to start writing them myself.
0: That's great. And, 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 and your play is part of the, you know, well-intentioned white people It's part of the festival, it speaks so vividly to like this exact moment that we're living through. Yeah. Um, where, where was that idea born?
3: Yeah. So, um, It was born from this moment that we're living in. (laughs) Uh, Summer 2020 was rough for like everyone, but especially uh, for black people. And for me, it was, it was so overwhelming because as I said, I went to school in Minnesota and then I came down here to Atlanta. And so to watch like one city that was my home for so long literally be on fire. Mm -hmm. And then to also see how Atlanta, we had quite our own very strong reaction to it. It felt like all of my loved places were literally up in flames. Um, And so it it was just a way to process that, honestly. Writing the play was a way to process it, but it was also a result of being so fed up. I had so many of my friends Um, especially my white friends who were reaching out and they were offering condolences and they were sending money and it was all so well-intentioned and all so wrong. (laughs) Like it was, I just, I just watched my friends and loved ones miss the mark over and over and over again. And, um, and pat themselves on the back while they missed the mark. And I was like, you know, I think. I really need to write about this. First of all, just to process my own trauma and grief, but also because I think that everyone needs to be held accountable right now. Every single person, Um, not just the ones that we've already identified are the enemy, but every single one of us needs to be doing better.
0: Wonderful, We're, we're, we're delighted to have such a vivid and timely voice. Uh, as 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 the opening play of the festival, you know, it kind of shot across the bows for for twenty twenty one. And do you did the process of writing the play? Did that answer the need the process?
3: Um, a little bit, yeah. It was definitely cathartic to write it. It was definitely um, really really life giving to share it with friends and family um, white friends and family and have them read it and be like, okay, I see myself in this. And because I see myself in this, I now see how I've hurt you and how I'm part of the problem. So that was really great. But, um, like the marathon continues, (laughs) we still have, it's like, I'm, I feel like we're all very thankful to be out of 2020, but we know that, Nothing was fixed when the clock hit midnight. Like, 2021 is still bringing its own set of challenges and hurdles. But I'm hoping that my play continues to um, help illuminate the ways in which we can all be better.
0: Oh, no. Thank you. And, and next up, Paul. Um, with a with, you know, very different play, <laughs> Memorial Day. So, but I'll start with the same question, is is when did the desire to, to, to
4: write plays awaken in you? And what, what did that come from? Um, it was after I graduated from college. I um, I had studied acting in, in college and had, had several really unsuccessful um, and one particularly humiliating audition um, in my first summer out of college, which helped me to understand that I was not called to be an actor, that that was simply not (laughs) where where I was meant to put my energies. But the particularly humiliating audition was for a theater in Washington called New Playwrights. And I decided I was not going to let that embarrassment keep me from the door, so I I became a volunteer and became active in the theater and took a playwriting class um, and found an artistic home there and have been writing ever since.
0: Wonderful, and and this specific play, where, where
4: did that come from? Um, it, it, it sort of came in two parts. I actually wrote, the play is set in 1992, and I actually wrote a draft of it in 93, 94. I was writing it, there was a, a, there's a role in the play that I was writing for a friend, and he died in, the, the play is about, is about HIV, and or deals a great deal with HIV and AIDS, and he died of AIDS in January of 1995. And I put the play aside, I just couldn't look at it anymore. And I didn't think I was gonna put it aside for 20 years, but that's what I did. And the morning after the election in 2016, um, I was experiencing perhaps the most profound despair that I had experienced since that time. And I sat in that despair for a couple of months. And then in January of 2017, I thought, you know what I need to do is focus on a time when things were as bad as this and we survived. And that brought me back to Memorial Day.
0: Hmm. Well, one one of the things that we were all struck by uh, reading Memorial Day was um, the, the idea of illness and grief are being two sort of very, very, very urgent themes um, like during during the pandemic. Um, did the kind of process of 2020 affect your relationship with the play, or or how you saw the time bending between when it was written and
4: now? It, it's it's certain it certainly feels regrettably resonant today. Um and I and that's I think my biggest emotion is that I'm really sorry we're living through another time like this, that we learn so little. From the last time through, because there are so many parallels: the ineffective government response, the massive number of people dying, um, the for, for a while the inexplicability of the disease and its transmission. Um, yeah, the 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 resonances are are present, but really regrettable.
0: Mm. And, and I will say that there was a couple of uh, of uh, uh, of our apprentices on the kind of group of people that were reading plays. Um, and it was really interesting to see, you know, uh, people who are in their early 20s connecting so vividly to the 90s. That's you nice know. to hear. You know, like, uh, that, that, like, like I mean, that, that was one was sort of one of the, 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 the beautiful things about Memorial Day in this context was, you know, having a kind of like diverse group of people reading these plays was seeing how different plays struck different people at different stages in their journey. Um, Aaron? Raising the dead, like particularly during comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like it's on, you know, that, that like what what a great what a great uh great opportunity to have, have a play taking place during the events in which it's set. Um but before we get into that, same question. Where this where when did playwriting awaken in you? Um,
5: um I was actually kind of like Paul and Imani. I was an actress and I became very, very ill. <laughs> For a year and a half, I couldn't walk. And uh, you can only feel sorry for yourself for so long before you have to put that energy somewhere. So I started writing and it was terrible, terrible. (laughs) But it got a little better as I, (laughs) it got a little better as I continued. And um, my first full length play, I was very, very fortunate in that it, it hooked me up. And this was about four years ago with Amber, and working title playwrights. And um, she took my garbage and said, well, there's a voice in this garbage somewhere. And so I've kind of been feeling my way through it. And it's been super lovely to come at it from an acting standpoint because it's almost music to me. I, I can like hear the rhythm. I can almost feel the people dance through things physically as I'm writing it. So, sometimes I need somebody to stop me and go, "Yes, but something has to happen." <laughs> but, um, but it's been very healing for me to have a place to put everything that used to. I felt like when my body got sick, I stopped, and all of my expression in the world stopped. And it's been so wonderful and life-giving to give those words to somebody else and to realize what an amazing Like mystical gift that is to give words to somebody else and watch them become those people it's almost like giving birth like you I have children and it's like giving uh, putting a whole child into the world and watching it walk around outside of your body is this crazy experience and I love it so so much and I didn't realize that this is so much more me than anything I think I've ever done
0: before well, hmm. so, so raising the dead takes place in New Orleans, <laughs> two balconies side by side, looking out as you know as 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 the virus and 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 the events of twenty twenty impact the year. When did that? When did the idea take hold of you? And how long did it take to kind of you know um, uh, finish your first draft?
5: I uh wow, I it during the twenty sixteen two COVID times, people had gotten so angry and the schism had gotten so wide that the thought of these two people reacting so differently to the pressure of the situation had started to talk in my head. I had the, the feeling of the one woman who just wanted to rip out of her skin and run away from everything and leave behind her family. And I had the best friend next door neighbor who was shut down. And once the quarantine set in and I realized, oh my God, if you took people who are already this extreme and this is happening right now and you shut them down in this world, how long would it take? Like, could the one who wins immovable object or irresistible force, you know? And so I just kind of let them yell at each other over this alleyway. And I, having been sick, and losing what I felt like with my power. And then everybody was suddenly angry. Erin, I had started being afraid to leave the house in weird ways that had never actually happened to me before. And it was this foreign feeling. And so I kind of just, what happened if I completely stopped? Because I had stopped going to a lot of places before quarantine even happened. And so I kind of just let that, what would it take for me to come back out again? As anywhere near the person I'd been before. And then I started thinking about all the beautiful, incredible women in my world and how healing they were and how willing they were to be there for another woman, no matter what. And suddenly that was so important to me to embrace. And even though there's a couple of male voices that come through, none of them have a name, but you know, none of them. Have a voice these women they even explore their sexuality just with each other because I just wanted that that understanding of that how whole we women make each other even in these horrible horrible situations we still come back out together mm-hmm. so that's where it came from I hope I'm not talking too much no 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 we no, no.
0: the, the, the we want to hear where these ideas are born because i think you know that, that that creative impulse like that there are so many people who who have the creative impulse or start the draft and it never gets out of the drawer but all of you and some of you incredibly quickly have had this impulse and this urgency and this need to write and have delivered these 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 really sort of like urgent urgent pieces so thank you and somehow rounding out the festival we have your your beautiful play Pearl, uh, same question. When, when when did you know you were a playwright? When did it awaken um, you?
1: Sure, so I grew up in New York. Um, and so at a young age, I was kind of recruited to model. And so even from those experiences, like I just had so many stories that I was building up. And I'm like, what do I do with this? So even when I got older and I was still modeling, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I can use some of this stuff and I have one traumatic incident. I can like write about this. So I started just jotting down like in a notebook, some of the things that I experienced like while I was sitting on the train, just writing down, observing people. And that's really kind of how I started writing. It was very like on a piece of notepad (laughs) with a pen. Um, And then years later I started working in TV production. And so I got more well-rounded into the arts then I went to grad school at NYU. And that's really where I truly honed my skills um, as a writer.
0: What are, on, on this play in particular. Um,
1: yeah. So this play, um, I started writing at NYU. Um, I had a professor there who was like, hey, I want you to write about something important, but make it a short scene. I'm like, I mean, that could be anything. <laughs> I can write about something important. There's so many important things to write about. So he says something that you have a personal connection to. So I thought about this story. Um, so my great grandmother um, is biracial, and she lived in the same town with her white father. Um, and he never acknowledged her and, you know, we heard whispers and rumors that, you know, he gave her money or he gave her land and he did this for her, but he never, ever acknowledged her. And there was one point when she turned 16 and she went to his house because she wasn't scared of anyone. She went to his house, um, and she went and knocked on his door and she wanted to like confront him. Like, you know, I'm your daughter. And the whole time that she was there, he kept her back to her. He never turned around to look at her. Um. So after that day, she never went back. Um, so I was like, okay, what can I actually make out of this? Because she never talked about it. So what can I make out of this to make it like a full story? And that's how Pearl's birth from that particular piece of the truth. That I knew. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's 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 wonderful when you look at all the plays in context. You've got something from the beginning of the twentieth century and things that are very urgent now, and yet the fault lines mm-hmm. of like people trying to overcome different forms of oppression
4: yeah. or, or
0: demand some kind of visibility mm-hmm. or like demand mm-hmm. justice, which I think means something different in all of these plays. It's, really, mm-hmm. it's really it's really beautiful. Um, one scene in Pearl that really struck me is that, you know, she brings her father a cake, yeah. <laughs> a pound cake and he turns his back on her and he won't see her, but when she leaves he yeah. eats the cake. <laughs> 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 you know, I was just like you know, when I was reading, I was just like yeah. He, yeah. don't eat the cake
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you didn't was, earn that cake yeah. I was trying to find ways to kind of like you know just bring them together without him still not recognizing her and so I kind of weaved in some things that she was great at which was cooking she could make anything she could bake anything so I was like okay what could he have a that's a piece of hers without really connecting with her without speaking to her because he was connecting to her through the cake but what could he do that still you know kind of says, I'm acknowledging you, but I'm not acknowledging you. So that's where the cake come
0: in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wonderful. So um, I, have a, I have a question for, for you all, but I, I want Amber to, to answer it first. <laughs> um, what does it mean to be an Atlanta playwright? Or what role does, does being here and being connected to this place play uh, in your work and your process?
1: Who's starting first? Amber, Amber.
2: Um, Well, I think, you know, I think being an Atlanta playwright is a really sort of special nucleus to live in. You know, we, this is a really special place. Um, And I'm from here, so I speak rather (laughs) bias, biasly about that. But um, the truth is I think Atlanta has um, some very unique communities of people. I think people have no, no clue Um, What Atlanta really is and so for me a lot of the time Atlanta playwrights role is to show everyone else what we are and who we are um, And how special it is to live here Um, So that's really what what it is to me to be a a playwright in Atlanta um, And to represent this really special place that we live and even if you're not from here um, You may have come from somewhere else and you've fallen in love with it. So um, to me, I think it's, it's a big thing because you're representing uh, an entire community of people. But the question is, there is not one type of person in Atlanta and um, you just never know what to expect. So to me, it's really important that we hear voices from this city and that those voices um, get out there and expand and are nationally recognized because I want everyone to understand the South and understand what being Southern means.
0: Well, well said, well said. Imani, um, you, you spoke so beautifully about, you know, both your homes burning um, and, and your play is set here, here in Atlanta. So what, what does, same question, what does Atlanta mean to you in your writing and what does it mean to be an Atlanta playwright?
3: Um, really echoing what Amber said just about, like, it being a very unique experience. Um, Atlanta, it feels like this place is really on the pulse of like what the future of like art is going to look like um having come from a massive theater market in the twin cities to atlanta where the theater market is not as large but it it feels i don't know how to describe it besides juicy like atlanta is, it is ripe and ready to um really start setting the tone and the pace for the rest of the industry. And so I feel incredibly blessed and incredibly privileged to uh, physically be here. And then on top of that, just so blessed to have my work starting to be acknowledged. Um, I wanna do Atlanta proud. I wanna do black people proud. Um, And I'm I'm just really thrilled to see like what continues to come out of here.
0: Oh, uh, well said! <laughs> um, but you, you bring you you bring this interesting thing about uh, Atlanta being like a creative mecca.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like like there are so many things that are like on the cutting edge here in,
3: in, yeah. in Atlanta.
0: Like that energy seems to be building. Um, is that something that you see in your peers, and you you sort of see as you, you look around people in the theater, not in the theater, that that energy building?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely! In the theater, outside of the theater, like in every aspect, Atlanta, you you cannot throw a rock and not hit somebody in Atlanta who has some sort of incredible talent, whether it's like writing, acting, hair, makeup, cooking. It's just this, it's such a rich culture here. Everybody here and, you know, maybe that's a metaphor for, like, humanity as a whole. Like, everybody has an incredible talent buried down somewhere. somewhere. But Atlanta really wears it. Like, everyone in Atlanta really wears that they are this incredible, talented person. And the theater scene here, I mean, the work that, like, I see at Working Title is always so, like, refreshing and new and such a, a canary in the creative coal mine of, like, what's about to come out. Um, I'm in a writer's group with some of my friends called the cultivators. And every single week I leave that group just with my mind blown about like the amount of talent in this group of people that like, I have no idea how we came to know each other. It was randomly assembled. (laughs) Like there's just so much talent here and it's, it is so exciting to see. And it's so exciting to be a part of
0: Wonderful, and and Paul, I know that you spent a bit of time in my former home, Washington D.C. <laughs> where I grew up, uh, where you grew up. So how how did you come to Atlanta, and what what does this place mean to your work?
4: I I am the classic academic trailing spouse. I came to Atlanta because my husband took a position at Emory, um, and I followed along. Um, uh, so much of what Imani said resonates for me that that what what is so attractive about Atlanta is the vibrancy of the larger community and also the vibrancy of the theater community just the the, the, you know look look across these screens the range of voices um, and and the depth of talent that's that's accessible and I certainly have to say that working title playwrights is is central to my experience of Atlanta theater and central to my growth as an artist so um I obviously value working title playwrights um as part of my connection to Atlanta
0: Wonderful. Well, I'm 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 finding the same. I I, I drag my spouse with me <laughs> here, but like there is definitely like a magnetism to like what's happening in, in in Atlanta and the way new ideas are being you know broken open, and um, and I think one of the responsibilities I feel as an artistic director is to create a space for those ideas, you know, is to kind of nurture the voices and bring people together. Um, Aaron, uh, what about you? Same question, Atlanta. What does it mean for, for you and your work?
5: Um, I'm an Air Force brat. So I've moved 100,000 times and I never considered myself a Southern playwright or even necessarily a Southern woman, even though I've spent most of my years between these states. Uh, until I started, my work started being produced in other places. And I realized, whoa, there is such a specific cadence and musicality And people immediately go, oh, this play is in Georgia. And they try to make the people Hicks immediately. They will pick up a script and put a dialect on that thing that does not live there. So I almost feel like at this point, I have a responsibility as a Southern playwright to be like, no, y'all, Atlanta, we are this like, we're like the edgy neighbor kid. We're the ones who we don't have as much money as New York City, but we are always making something and stuff is always outside of the box because someone's like, well, I don't have any money, but I'm going to go paint it on that wall over there behind the grocery store. And then we're going to do this theater and the theaters are shut down. Great. okay, let's throw it on our phones. Let's put it up on Zoom, like the speed at which stuff happens here and the fact that we're not afraid and we are so multicultural, and we are so educated. We're an educated city, and we're a a digitally literate city, and people have a tendency not to think of that when you think of Atlanta, which I almost think is to our advantage, because then they don't see us coming. You know, We can kind of sneak in around the side, and um, I love that. I love everything about it, and it's turned out to be who my voice is on paper which
0: I also love. Wow, it resonates with me, people slapping a dialect on it. <laughs> yeah. I know I've, I've seen some Irish plays that uh, maybe yeah. I wish you hadn't. <laughs> I
5: bet you've seen some bad Lucky Charms versions of some beautiful writing.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I ha- yes, yes, I have. Sonhara, Harrah, <laughs> uh, Atlanta, what? Yes, New York, yeah. Atlanta, what? <laughs>
1: So although I'm not from here, um, I've been living here for at least 10 years now and I consider Atlanta home. Um, And there's just so much community here. There's so much support here for artists and for playwrights. Um, And one of the places I was first directed to when I wrote my first play was Working Title Playwrights. Um, And so I received so much support from them and through the members there. Um, And I just see Atlanta as a community. Um, And for me, I'm just kind of coming full circle Because again, I'm not from here, but my grandparents were from here. Um, So even when my grandmother told me, she's like, you're coming full circle because we came from here and we migrated north. So it's like, you're just coming back home. So I feel like this is my home and there's so much support here for artists. Um, And there's so many circles here for us to connect and to sit down and read each other's work and provide feedback and support. Um, And I feel like you don't find that in other places. So for me, Atlanta is community and it is home.
0: Great. Right. Well, I mean that 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 resonates as well. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I noticed whenever I, whenever I you know uh, first got chosen to take over from the wonderful Tom Key of theatrical outfit is whoever I would ask uh, tell me about Atlanta would have a different answer.
4: <laughs>
0: and and actually, this idea that there is not one single narrative but multiple narratives, many of which have been buried or overlooked, um, like. Through oppressive systems, or just inattention, <laughs> um, and, and, and that kind of richness, or that that this, the thing that play new plays offer is to to tell those stories that have not yet been told, or to like offer perspectives that have not been considered, or demand that people listen to to kind of truths that may be uncomfortable. It's like reweaving um, a new tapestry. Um, Amber, I want to give you the the final word. Um, lot of a lot of love for working title playwrights and a lot of people really, really deeply valuing the welcome that they've received from, from your organization and the opportunities offered. Um, what, what are what are your hopes and dreams for 2021 <laughs> for Atlanta playwrights?
2: Um, you know, I, I think that the main thing I, I hope that people will kind of try to keep in mind, uh, during this tough time, I've had people ask me questions like, how do you maintain hope? Which makes me very sad to hear artists ask me that question. But it was a young artist and uh, just at the beginning of their career. And um, and I said, you know what? This is a time to create, to invent, to strengthen yourself, to make yourself strong, to take care of yourself so that when we are able to see each other again and be alive, we can be ready essentially, right? Like, what what do you want to see? Um, each playwright here has kind of talked about, I mean, Imani, especially telling stories that you haven't seen before, um, things that are important to you. Uh, and that's what I want playwrights to do, is if if there is a story that they think should be told and they think that they're a person to tell it, that they tell it. Um, as a new play artist who, who believes in lifting up uh, storytelling that is fresh and bright and resonant, um, I think it's important for us to know about Shakespeare and study all that work and and our our classic playwrights. But in reality, I think that um, I think it would be better for us to think about new forms and um, break those structures open and not be afraid to take risks, um, which is really the goal for working title. And every process that we create is how can we give playwrights the full Access to telling the exact story they want to tell, um, and and not putting barriers in place that would make it harder for them to do so. Um, so that that continues to be our mission, um, and we really want to serve uh, storytellers in all forms and in in all different ways. And. Uh, We can't do that without collaborations like, like this one. So, um, and this festival is a really special collaboration for our, our, our members in our community, because it takes us a step further than working title goes. You know, we don't do full production. We don't fully produce. And it's, Um, And it's something that we've committed to avoiding on purpose, um, because it it can be a barrier. Uh, But doing collaborations like this with Theatrical Outfit um, is giving our playwrights the next step in that process uh, that we hope they'll find. And of course, um, your commitment to new plays, new playwrights. And also, you're not just committed to having this festival, you're committed to creating relationships and building community. And that's really something that Atlanta um, does well, but could do better, you know? So I just want to thank you too for, for your commitment to this community. Um, and thanks all of you for being amazing and writing amazing plays because it's just an honor to work with all of you.
0: Uh, thank you, thank you. was beautifully spoken. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm committed to new work, committed to community. You know, like like the, the Unexpected Play Festival is one part of this series that we're producing at Theatrical Outfit that we're calling Made in Atlanta, which is focused on new work development. We're doing readings. The next step up is week-long workshops that are kind of private and closed to really like break the play open and get it ready for production. And then we're also doing commissions as well. So I see moments like this one of getting playwrights together and festivals like this as, as just such a vital starting point to build those relationships um so thank you to 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 all of you for writing these wonderful plays um i think this is a fantastic festival and i can't wait to see what happens when we you know get in those rooms and like those great casts these great directors and um to everyone listening uh we watching uh every thursday in january we're gonna have uh, a, a, a fantastic reading of one of these plays, and we're going to have time afterwards to dig into the details uh, with the playwright to, to offer feedback and you get, get some some more context and more story. So we're really excited to see what happens uh, over the course of the month, and I'm excited for all of you to get to know get to know these playwrights. Um, I would say watch these space because. <laughs> um, because I think there's bright futures for these plays and these, and these writers. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Have an excellent 2021. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Thank you.